West Virginia, we used to live near an insane asylum. <clears throat> and uh, I don't remember this, but my brother reminded me of this. He said early in the mornings, <clears throat> you could hear, ah, and I, I ooh, just, <clears throat> just the sound of that just kind of makes a shiver go down my spine. <clears throat> and I can't imagine uh, hearing that and, and struggling with, with any kind of illness like that. When I was a youngster, and this was preteen, probably five, uh, fifth or sixth grade, we lived in York, Nebraska, and um, I remember we, we were all having a uh, sleepover over at Roger and Nelda Holly's house, and I don't know how we did this, but we talked him into driving us out to the cemetery. <clears throat> and so we all crammed in the car and went out to the cemetery. And as we drove in, you know, it was a spooky kind of place. And we were sitting there, and all of a sudden, these lights came on. And I remember Roger hightailing it out of there and going, who, how? And, and I mean, he was just so overwhelmed by the fact that, and, and what he probably, in his uh, naive moments, didn't realize it was probably a couple parking out there, but... But it just, it was one of those kind of things that just scared us as young kids. Now you combine those two things, an insane asylum and a cemetery, and you have this story that we have today. And let me just stop briefly here and say there's some contextual uh, problems, uh, at least with this uh, name. It's, it's get, you'll see Gadarenes, you'll see Gerasenes, uh, you'll see uh, just about Gergesenes, I think. Realize it's all the same. There's some confusion, but nevertheless, it's the area that's kind of on the northeast side of, of the Sea of Galilee. And this happened right after what we talked about last week. You remember where Jesus is in the boat asleep and, and the storm comes up and, and, and the, the boat is about to sink and, and they, they say, Lord, don't you care? And Jesus calms the storm. And so you remember how terrified the apostles is, uh, were as they said, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? In verse uh, 35 of chapter 4, it says that when evening came, they went to the other side of the lake. And this means they probably arrived in the area of the Gerasenes or the Gadarenes or however you want to say it. Probably at night, which makes this scene even creepier. In fact, William Barclay calls it an eerie story. What a scary man this guy is. In fact, in Matthew, it says there are two of them. But Mark only tells of one. And they, they had to keep chains on him, which says to me they wanted to tie this guy up. And they said that the chains wouldn't even hold him. Now think about that for just a minute. If you were to go out in your storage room or something like that and get a chain and tie it around and, and say, okay, I, I'm going to try to get out of this. How hard that would be. And yet this guy would completely break them. He cut himself with stones. 
which meant he would be bleeding. And he lived in the tombs, for goodness sake. If you've ever been to New Orleans, uh, you'll notice that, that they are buried above ground because the water level is just, or the water table is just so high that they, they, they start digging a grave and all of a sudden, you know, the, the, the grave is full of water. During Hurricane Katrina, I understand that the waters even carried some of the bones out. All right, now take that scene and realize what this guy has done. This is Jesus' first venture, at least the first one in Scripture, into pagan territory. Up to this point, he has stayed really in the Jewish areas. And, and note that it was a group of pigs that he sent the demons in. Pigs were an unclean animal and they, they weren't, you know, they weren't considered, uh, they were considered unclean. Jews wouldn't eat them. And so he's in a different part of the world. He's in a pagan land. He's in a land that really doesn't care about Messiah. He's in a land that really doesn't care about who he is. And this guy, when he sees Jesus, what's he do? He runs down and falls on his knees in front of Jesus. Jesus asked him what his name is. And he said, my name is Legion. You see, the Roman army, if they had a legion of men, it would be 6,000. This man was possessed with a number of demons. And so... Jesus cast out these demons into the pigs because the people in the area begged him, don't, you know, please. And Jesus sent him into the pigs. Now, as I read this story, I got to be honest with you. Did this mean that the demons died? Does this mean that all those pigs died? Does this, you know, uh, I will give you the best answer that I have. I don't know. I don't know what happened to these demons. I don't know what happened. I assume that the pigs died. In fact, it was kind of interesting how many there were. But I want us to, to notice this story. I, I've just kind of summarized it right now, but I want us to, to dig deeper into the story. And we've seen it time after time after time that Jesus isn't accepted by everyone. I've seen people who have gone out and tried to talk to people about Jesus and, and they were just completely and totally rejected. And, and they would get so frustrated because they felt like all they needed to do was to tell people about Jesus and they would just fall into line. Jesus told those who were following him, an interesting story. He said, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood in John chapter 6. And it was, it was one of those kind of things where he was basically saying, you've got to eat and sleep and drink. Uh, you know, it's, it's all about me. And the scripture says in John chapter 6, verse 66, it says, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. 
And it was at this time where Jesus turned to his apostles and says, do you want to go too? And they said, Lord, to whom shall we go? His popularity seemed to ebb and flow, didn't it? I mean, at one moment, it seemed like there'd be a big crowd. His popularity was, was on a high. He comes into Jerusalem, and, and they're throwing palm leaves in front of him. And just days later, they're saying, crucify, crucify. And so his popularity would go up and down. And here we see in this story one precious soul that wants to follow him. And by the way, he was not the kind of person that we would invite to church services, is he? Can you imagine if somebody says, I'd like for you to meet my friend here? He, and they say, oh, where do you live? He says, well, I live out at the tombs. Jesus didn't turn down anybody. Be careful who you decide deserves the gospel. But it's kind of interesting. Their routine was disturbed. Things were going just fine until he came along. We had this guy in the tombs. We had him tied up. Oh, yeah, he broke it every, every once in a while. And, and, you know, he was a nuisance, but he was our nuisance. He was the kind of guy that he knew his place and we'd keep him over there. And, and so you're kind of messing up our routine here. More people hate Jesus because he disturbs them for those kind of reasons as he makes us change. He disturbs our routine. He gets us out of our comfort zone. Don't tell me that I, I need to change. I'm just fine the way I am. This is my life. But Scripture comes along and says, it's not your life. You were bought with a price. You're not your own. Did you ever wonder why Jesus even wandered into this area in the first place? Maybe it was for this one guy. I don't know why he went across the the, the, the Sea of Galilee at that point, but maybe it was for that one guy. We'll talk about that here in just a moment. But another thing that's kind of interesting is they love their pigs more than they love the soul of one man. You notice what they said when Jesus cast them into, into the pigs and they ran off and, and into the water? It says, please leave. Please get out of here. Please go away. And instead of rejoicing, they're saying, we don't like you. Get out of here. And Scripture says they were afraid. Maybe they were afraid that Jesus would change their values all around. One of the great dangers of life is to value things over people. And that's what happened to these people. They seemed to care more about these pigs than they did about the soul of one man. Nothing, no object, nothing, no material thing can be as valuable as a person. And we need to remember that. But I think this is the, the key to this whole thing. 
I think this is probably the most important part of this. The scripture says, after Jesus healed this man, and, and I love this, it says he was sitting there clothed, which says to me he more than likely didn't have clothes on to that point. At least he was clothed and in his right mind, it says. But Jesus gets ready to leave, and it's kind of interesting. How long was Jesus there? Did he just come and do that and then get in the boat and leave? I don't know. We'll have to ask when we get there. But it says, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. And Jesus did not let him go, but said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And so the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him and all the people were amazed. The Decapolis was the ten cities. It was the name for the ten cities in that area. We try to make evangelism a glitzy thing. We, uh, we have programs and slides and studies and all those things are useful. Don't misunderstand me. But the most effective method of evangelism is to tell people what Jesus has done for you. I get calls occasionally. Would you go talk to, and you, you name the person, and would you go talk to them and tell them the gospel? Usually it's from somebody from out of town. Don't misunderstand me. I, I, I don't mind doing that. But you know how much success I've had from going to people and talking to them? They're kind of like, what are you doing here? Wouldn't you rather hear the gospel from someone you know, from someone you trust, from someone you love? When you hear them tell the story of Jesus and what he has meant in your life, wouldn't it have a greater effect? I can't tell the gospel to everybody, you might say. And that's, that's true and that's okay. Did Jesus say, you need to go tell everybody? I, and you may quote Matthew 28, go into all the world. He was also talking to 12 guys at that point. But Jesus was run out of this area. I want you to see something that's very interesting, and I don't know, it may be kind of, and I've, I've talked about this before, I've showed you this before, uh, but maybe it doesn't mean anything, but I, I, I think maybe it does. Jesus left immediately. And later in the book of Mark, Jesus returns to this area, to the area of the Decapolis of the Ten Cities. And then it says, then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of the Decapolis. This is a little bit later in Mark chapter 7 verses and uh, chapter 8. And he heals a man there. And then look what happens in chapter 8. Jesus feeds 4,000 people. Or 4,000 men. Now, in chapter 5, 
he was run out of the area. And this guy comes and wants to go with him. And Jesus says, no, I want you to go and tell what Jesus, what I have done for you. And we don't know anything that's happened at that point, up to that point. We don't know what the guy did. We never hear from him again. But it's interesting to me that he's run out in Matthew chapter 5. And in chapter 8, he feeds 4,000 people. Do you think? Do you think maybe, just maybe, the reason why there's so much interest in Jesus at this point is because of one man who was cleansed of a demon who lived in the tombs of one man's story of what Jesus has done for him. In John chapter 6, and I know, our, our, our story, basically, we, we tend to say, I'm just one person. I, I don't want you to ever underestimate that. But in John chapter 6, he, he, uh, he, he feeds 5,000 people, and this is another occasion, obviously. And Jesus sees the people, and he has compassion on them, and he says to them, where can we get enough food to feed all these people? And it's Philip who steps up and says, do you realize how much it would cost? Jesus says, where? And Philip says, how much? And I'm afraid that tends to be our attitude sometimes. It's Jesus says, I want you to go into all the world. I want you to tell your story. And we say, do you realize how costly that is? And Jesus says, no, 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 no. I want you to understand that I am the source of all great things. And if you rely on me, then great things will happen. Doesn't mean that everyone will follow you. Doesn't mean everyone will follow Jesus. But he says, just Trust me. That's what he told the, 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 the man who lived in the tombs. It's what he tells us. To just go and tell what the Lord has done. We're going to sing a, a song here that Roger has selected. It's for your encouragement. Our shepherds and their wives will be at the back. If you want to talk to somebody, please go back there and talk to them. If you... If you feel the need to, to have them pray with you, they would be more than happy to pray with you. But if you need to respond to the gospel in any way, whether by coming forward or going back and talking to them, do so right now while we stand and sing this song. <clears throat>